I am a ninth grader and you, a senior in high school, was dating a guy in college. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do with that, Sam? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> that's, a, that's an uphill battle that cannot easily be won. everybody welcome to another episode of i finally watched again uh today we finally watched perks of being a wallflower this is david and this is alan and as david said uh we finally watched again because this month of december we are treating ourselves to movies that we have both watched in the past but also really uh it's kind of funny, right, David? Because these movies so far, what they have in common is like movies that we really, really liked in the past. But now, since we've become like basically movie critics for over the last two and a half years, whoa, 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 uh, whoa. movie critics, I just, uh, we criticize movies. Just, I don't know. Well, I don't know what else you want to call it. Two dudes with mics, as I think they call it. Two cinephile friends. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, what's interesting now is like kind of looking back at these films that we held so high, we're finding a lot of kind of fault in it. Um, and two out of those three films, the uh, the main character's love interest likes the Smiths. So we're on a roll now. Yeah, the Smiths are pretty huge in this world. I... um. So this is another movie I saw in theaters. I think I saw, yeah, I saw every one of the four movies we're going to do in theaters. Um, and this is one I just loved from like the get go. It, uh, and it's interesting. So I watched it this time and I like sat down and was taking notes the whole time. And I was like, kind of nitpicking it to death. And I was like, Oh, this part, this part. And I was like, these these people, um, Patrick uh, and um, who's played by Ezra Miller and Sam, who is played by Emma Watson. I was like, they're annoying. Like I wouldn't. Right. Like, they, they you know, I don't want to say pretentious because I think it's just overused, but just like. <laughs> is pretentious pretentious a, now? Probably. They, yeah. they just have this like air about them. They're just like, I don't know. Like, I mean, they were theater kids, right? It just like that everything was more important than it was. Um, and so, you know, I was like, ah, yeah, I guess it just, I didn't like it as much as I, I thought. Right. And I, even though I still really liked it, well, then I just put it on again. Cause um, today, cause I was just like, oh, I'll just put it on, see if I noticed anything else while I'm watching it and just watching it and not really taking notes and just like, just leaving it on. I was like, oh, I actually still really like this. Like, and so what I, what I figured, and, and this kind of rings true with like the, um, the the critical reception versus the like the audience score you know like on a on a rotten tomatoes the critics kind of had a lower a much lower score than the audience and i think that's just like that's like the major takeaway i get from this movie is that if you just enjoy it you know yeah there's some faults but it's like it's really good it's it's like a movie that i really like i think it's it's got some very powerful stuff in it but if you're like nitpicking the individual pieces you're like, oh, I don't, you know, there's some, some dialogue that feels like, you know, not like 
true to what you know 15 year olds and 18 year olds might say although maybe these kids would i don't i never hang hung around with kids like this quite like this so um so well okay just just real quick on on that is that i never really made kids like that like my inner circle but i i did hang around kids like that from uh on occasion and that is kind of how exactly how they act and speak you know going through and watching it after so you know having not watched it so long um i come up with the exact same things that you do but i feel like this movie has a lot of heart to it and i think that's why for me i didn't so much mind it like i i realized that there was nuances in the characters that yeah i find annoying but because i knew where their story was going i was holding out for the long haul and i think if you're someone who either forgets how this movie goes or is watching it for the first time you could get fed up with it pretty fast yeah definitely Definitely in the beginning. Uh, the the other thing I noticed from this is it, you know, this is, was a book that was adapted by the author into a movie and then he directed it. And it definitely has the feel of like, there's a more full story in the book. Like, I think the movie toes the line of being, giving just enough information without being like too vague and opaque about what's going on. Um, because I think it's hinting at you know, his molestation and the, the, what happened to him last year. Um, there's like a lot of details. It's like some people seem to know about it and others don't. Um, and then I don't like think, the, I don't think anyone knew about his molestation. No, no, even, yeah, not that part. He, but I'm not even about, him. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, he did. He, I think we realized that he didn't and it kind of, maybe it, it came in and came and went as far as him knowing what had happened. But I'm talking about, you know, his friend killing himself. Um, and then uh, him, like, they, they keep referencing that he had a bad year last year. And he was, like, hospitalized at one point already. Yeah. Um, but we don't really know what that was for. Um, you know, he has these blackouts, but they don't really know what the root cause is, obviously, because they find out in the end of the movie what the cause of that was. Um, and Although I guess they probably think it has to do with the, the aunt's death. Um, I think... Well, okay, so, and we can talk about this when we get to the to the end, but I thought it had to do with his friend's suicide, right? Because that is what they must think that triggered it so late in his life. Yeah, no, yeah, I, and I think that, but, but again, this is like some details that are probably more spelled out in the book and probably spelled out that, oh, the fact that his, you know, the death of his friend triggered these kind of deep seated memories of his, his aunt didn't take her own life, but she, you know, maybe there's some, like, he feels kind of responsible for both of those suddenly like his friend did maybe. So yeah, well, she died suddenly, but also he, you know, in the end he talks about how he sort of takes responsibility for the aunt. Like, Oh, it's my fault because she was going to get my present. And I imagine there's some of that too, with his friend of, you know, how could I not stop it? Cause he, like, it seemed like, they were like their only each other's only friend. You know what I mean? Is what it, it kind of felt like. 
Yeah. But once again, it's right. just my whole point is like these are more details that are probably fleshed out in the book more. No, I agree. I agree. So let's let's start at the beginning of the movie on his first day of high school. From what we don't know of of him getting out of the hospital. Right. Well, he and he's writing this letter, and it's interesting because I think overall you get the picture of like this is a letter to his friend that um you know um died by suicide and you but he the way he talks to him in the first letter seems like he's writing to a person he doesn't know which i th- which i thought was odd um i took it as a uh it was probably some sort of therapy exercise that he well, did i know it was but it's it's like i couldn't figure out who he was writing to because at first it feels like he's writing to a stranger almost like oh i hope you won't judge me i i don't think you will and it's like I don't, but maybe it's just trying to be kind of secretive, so you don't know like what's happening in the end. And that's probably what it's it's getting at. But the the beginning just does a really good job of establishing, like that he doesn't have any friends now. He's going into the ninth grade, which I guess is always scary for people. The school I was mm-hmm. at, it, it really wasn't that much of a change, eighth to ninth, because um, it was just the same school. It was like K through twelve, but he's going into the ninth grade it's super scary we see like these other freshmen getting hazed in the hallway which is just like not not something that would be allowed uh anymore um and then we see you know he's got this friend susan who's played by julia garner who is now like super famous and wouldn't take a non-speaking role where they just show her face for a couple of different scenes um and then we just we get to meet we get to meet paul rudd we get to meet ezra miller and like all of that and i think it really is just like a lot of a lot of exposition, obviously, to open this up, and they do it in a way that we talk all the time about. Is it is it is it just smart? Is it just effective, or is it you know kind of lazy? But I think it it just it gets the movie going pretty quick, and I and I like that. You know, this is like an hour and forty minute movie, and so did we need ten more minutes of of slowly showing you exposition, or can we just like lay it out for you? Um. What I find interesting about this movie, too, is mostly about the characters, is that usually I don't like Logan Learman in movies. I find that he, I don't know, he just plays this kind of character that just annoys me. But they've made Charlie really likable and like really like uh, you feel bad for him in a in a in a good way. You don't pity him. What's that other word? Like you um well you empathize with them i guess yeah you empathize with them right now i love emma watson but i could not stand her in this movie so i i do get that she is she's playing i mean she's like i said she's playing this character that kind of talks in this way it's it's like the uh, it's almost the high school version of the summer character, and if you compare the Logan Lerman character to Joseph Gordon Levitt, he's like a he's a much much more likable character. He doesn't have this like incel vibe to him. He's just kind of like sweet right. and not not jaded by by women yet. Right. Well, the thing with Emma Watson too is that she keeps going in and out of her English accent, like she's trying to do an American accent. <laughs> but then, so he, I, Taylor, and I were making fun of it while we were watching it. It was exactly like this. It was like you know how an English person would say stairs, right? Like staircase, but stairs. And in and in an American accent, it's like a hard R, right? It's like stairs. So she would go 
she would go stare like like she's beginning a word in in English, and then she goes stares like she's she's like oh I am an American character stares. It's so funny because like br- British people, like people from the UK, do not have trouble doing an American accent. Usually, like actors, like are just there's so many of them that do it so well that like you don't even know. Um, right. There's just a report that um, what's his name, the guy from Kickass, uh, is going to be the new James Bond, and like a ton of people were like, I just know him from Kickass. Like I didn't know that he was even you know, like even from there to Aaron to do Aaron it. Taylor Aaron Taylor Johnson Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just watching him, and I started Bullet Train today. So, but it's just it's usually not a hard thing for them to do, and so I I didn't really pick up on it. Um, I think more like the, you, you love the Smiths, right? And then she's like, oh, but you love this record store, don't you? Oh my gosh, you're into good music. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, he's it into good music like her, and yet they don't know who David Bowie is. Go, go die. I mean, it was, it was 1991, man. There's no like, who doesn't no know who David? Up. Okay, whatever. Well, I didn't in 1991, but I was four, so. <laughs> sure, sure. Was this her first movie? Um, outside of harry potter i think that's something that you could have easily looked up but no she did my week with Marilyn, and then this so basically she probably I mean, basically a really small part in that but, but then she does but yeah the bling ring yeah but as an american i guess right because i'm looking at it now and it's like she went to she went to brown between 2009 and 2014 and this came out in 2012. So this was like during her education. She she just shot this over the summer. Although, the, you know, it's kind of a it's a quite of a contained movie that I think it just took probably like four or five months to shoot. I could imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's a couple things in the beginning that I wanted to talk about. One, um, Susan that we talked about earlier, she's played by um, Julia Garner and He's like, yeah, Susan used to be really cool in middle school, but now she doesn't want to say hi to me anymore. And I was like, is, is that because of what happened? Or is that just like she's kind of, you know, people grow apart. You know, people are like, oh, I'm cool. So I'm going to hang out with cool kids now. You know, they they don't get into that. Um, and then the girl that sits next to him in Paul Rudd's class, I just wanted I just wanted something to happen to her. And uh, it didn't. And that was, you know, too bad. And then we meet Ponytail Derek. I'm curious. Is ponytail Derek? Is that just a fake ponytail attached to a guy with like kind of short hair? Like in the as a character, or like at what they did to the actor? What they did to the actor? Oh, okay. Because that'd be kind of a good character development, right? Is that he's like his character just has a fake ponytail attached to his head? I and I, I love that the dad calls him a pussy. He's like, I just can't fucking stand that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Taylor thought that the dad was talking about his his son, Logan uh-huh. Lerman. And I was like, no, like this is not no. And, but and I, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't speak to this earlier, but I like Logan Lerman and, and most of the stuff I see him in. He too was in Bullet Train in a very uh, like weird role. Oh. Yeah, I can't right. wait to sit sit down and have a second to watch that. But um so the dad is played by um Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott, who, you know what? Honestly, I can't stand in some roles, but I like him in in this. Um, him and him and Kate Walsh are like very like underutilized to the point of like why would they have taken this? I guess maybe just like a 
a little payday. Well, I mean, I think the same thing about Joan Cusack, right? At the end of the movie. Oh yeah, as the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's just like oh, a little bit of money for like not that many days work, right? Because the dad and the mom only are at the house. So they're just in every scene filmed at the house. So they could have done that in a few days. Yeah. And then they're at the scene in the hospital with Joan Cusack. So that's just one or two days. If, if that as like a half a day shoot, depending on if he's a good director, but if they're um, moving things forward, it Joan Cusack in anything, I cannot get her out of my head as the principal from school of rock. So it's really hard to take her seriously at any point in a movie. Yeah, I know oh, yeah. School Rock. Oh yeah, I know that. We know that. We we gotta do that. Uh twenty twenty three is a is a big checkoff list. Um so yeah, so we we kinda get that he's a loser and he's not liked and he's trying to adapt to the school, but then um he we get introduced to Patrick, who is uh who no one likes him. Except for Sam, his his stepsister. And Mary Elizabeth and Alice, just this tight group he has. Yeah. Uh, I like the introduction to him making fun of, uh, this movie gets away with like a lot of stuff. Like they use like a slur for gay people. He just says making fun of his shop teacher. He uses a slur for Koreans. It's just like, it's like, I get that people threw those around willy nilly in the nineties, but it's like, even to make the point in a 2012 movie, I was like, it's, you know, it was, it was being true to the art. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what QT would say. Um, so he goes to a football game by himself and then sees Patrick and is like, I gotta get up there, and then goes up there. And because he uses Patrick's real name, Patrick's like, Oh, do you want to sit with me? And it is these kids are like really nice. And I guess because they're you know, there's a super kind of today we would call it a cringe line where um they tell him like they want to be friends with him. And, and Emma Watson is like, welcome to the Island of misfit toys. And she's like, Ugh. but I mean, it is true. It is what they are. Right. They're right. all like, they're not all like exactly the same kind. Like Mary Elizabeth's a punk. Patrick is, is kind of, is kind of flamboyantly gay. Sam is a bit of a, a bit of a, a hoe in her earlier days. And now it's just kind of like a, Oh, music is life type person. And Alice is like the rich girl that steals. You know what I mean? They're, they're not exactly like, well suited to each other and they're like but they're the best of friends i'm i'm gonna say something that you might not agree with but i think emma watson was horribly miscast in this i mean you've been wanting to go down this road since we started so (laughs) i it's just the more you talk about it it's like the more like of what her character is how she plays sam when we see her right through the whole entirety of the movie it's a it's a really they're trying to really nail in the point that she used to like really sleep around a lot. And it's not like, and it's kind of like questionable sleeping around too, right? It's not like completely consensual. It's like, she's been molested a few times in her life. She was like 15 too. And then, yeah, her first kiss was at 11 from her dad's boss. 11, 12 next September, just old enough to kiss. What's that from? (laughs) <laughs> from Clint Eastwood in some oh, right, sort of right. That's yeah, like, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's just it's just kind of like put and and I think from what you were getting at too is that there's more details in the book because 
what this movie does throughout with all of its characters is that it packs all like it tells you that this character has all this backstory and this character has all this backstory and it doesn't necessarily have time to show you that they were this way or this happened to them in the past but it's like very dialogue heavy in like explaining to you that like patrick is gay but he's kind of still in the closet but everyone knows he's gay and then on the other hand brad is his boyfriend but no one can know that and it's just it's very uh dialogue heavy in explaining to you everyone right and i assume the book i actually told ashley i want it for like a christmas present like because i do want to read it now but i I feel this way every time i watch the movie because i'm just like there's so much missing here um I feel like the book may have been almost written in like a letter format. You know what I mean? Like maybe the whole time it's like, feels like a narration. Like, I think that's possible. Although Mm. I'll find out. Um, So he goes to the football game, (laughs) the way he's introduced, like to Sam, Sam walks up, says, you know, could the bathrooms be any more disgusting? And then she sits down and is talking to Patrick for a while. And then afterwards, just like, Hey, Patrick, who's this? And like, just ask him who's this. Why are you doing it this way? Um, and then they go to the diner afterwards because that's where everyone goes. Um, and what what I want to talk about next is, you know, we talked about their music choices and how much they love music. And oh, Patrick's like, I used to be popular until Sam got me into good music. I, when everyone, someone describes something as good music, it's like, listen, I know there's lesser music. But when you're like, oh, you have to develop to get to this level of music. I'm always just like, all right, you fucking sound pretentious. But what I <laughs> want to talk about was Ponytail Derek slapping his sister. Yeah. And at, this is like kind of maybe the first time that I connected this or like I'm connecting it again. But I think Candace has to know what uh, Charlie is capable of. And so she's not like saving Charlie from Ponytail Derek hitting him. She's saving Ponytail Derek from getting his fucking teeth knocked in. I guess it depends how you look at it, right? Because we understand his his fighting skills towards uh, later in the movie. But is that, are you saying like that he did something in middle school and that's why he was hospitalized or something? Because then how, how would she know? Well, we, I mean, because they're family, right? Yeah, I, I guess know. he has anger issues. I mean, I guess if something like that happens to you when you're little and you br- suppress it, you develop a lot of, you know, um, traumatic habits, I guess, you know? So, And if Charlie didn't beat his ass, Dylan McDermott would have beat the brakes off of fucking Ponytail Derek. Dude, you have no idea. If something like that happened, if I was the brother, father, whatever, that dude would not be walking out my front door. Right. And it was at the time of the slap, we get like kind of the first... Um, the first flashback to the aunt, Aunt Helen. And I think she's played really well. Melanie Linsky plays her. And like, she mm-hmm. is always like really good in all of her roles. Um, and then we get to homecoming and uh, the pretense is, is turned up again because they're, they're sitting there. They're like annoyed Patrick and Sam. And then come on, Eileen comes on and they're like, they're playing good music. Oh my gosh. Living room routine. I don't understand how someone can know Dixie Midnight Runners, but not David Bowie. That is just like bonkers to me. 
Um, apart from that, this is the movie that sparked my love for Come On Eileen. And I am not embarrassed to say that. You know what I mean? With devotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then they go to the party afterwards. And I, I like the way that Patrick just explains it to him because he knows. It's Patrick, uh, and I want to say this earlier, you know, Ezra Miller, for whatever they're going through right now, this is my first introduction to Ezra Miller. And it's so, this character is so amazing in this. And, and, and one thing is, Patrick is like the perfect level of like a really compassionate, empathetic friend. And then the person who busts your balls at your lowest. Cause like at the very end of the movie, right, right. Sam's like, Oh, you have to come visit me at Penn state. And, and uh, Patrick is like, he actually has a breakdown scheduled for October. So you're going to have to work around that. Patrick is definitely the MVP of the movie. And it's almost like without a character like him, you are kind of stuck with this movie actually being kind of boring. I feel like. Um, and I will say it, that I, I, I agree. He, 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 like that is the MVP character of this. And, but watching it this time, Logan Lerman, I think is like kind of excellent in his role. No, he is definitely. And it's, it's a very tough role cause it's so subtle, but also like so much underneath. And I think he plays that fairly perfectly well uh one thing we didn't talk about uh in the beginning is uh when paul rudd's talking to him he's like you know they say if you make one friend on your first day and he's like man if if my one friend is my english teacher that's really depressing <laughs> and paul rudd just like nods and like understanding he's like i get it he's like yeah that's so that's true is, this is um there's a movie i think it's called edge of 17 with Haley Stein- steinfeld yeah and her teacher is played by Woody Harrelson. Correct. I believe. And these two characters, the Woody Harrelson character from that movie and Paul Rudd from Perks of Being a Wallflower, kind of like they're playing that that kind of character that's like the cool teacher. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Gilmore Girls, but it was like... You know Matt. I didn't. Okay. okay. It, it, for people who have, they'll know what I mean when I compare him to... Um, max uh rory's teacher from chilton they're like they're like that those teachers that um really care and so now you know it's a fictional story but (laughs) uh yeah so and he's cool right like he plays it cool the entire time yeah yeah absolutely and it's a very like kind of under under the radar role that i think he does a lot with and makes it like a good character um so we get back to this party and Charlie eats a pot brownie, not knowing it's a pot brownie. And it basically just acts like a truth serum to where he just like, they ask him questions and he'll just say whatever, whatever they're asking. I love when he's like, Mary Elizabeth, I really think you're going to, you know, kind of regret that, you know, when you see pictures later on and she's like, what the fuck? And everyone else is like, he's right. You are going to, you are going to regret that. When she shows up to pick him up for prom and the look on his parents' face, I was like, wow, what what judgmental assholes. And then I was like, it's like 92, right? I'm like, for someone, yeah. like, it's kind of common now, right? Like, everyone has weird shaved colored hair. Uh, it was super rare to have that in the 90s. 
unless you're like an absolute like punk pop scene right but also like they were just sort of taken aback by it it's not like they were actually judging her you know the mom was like oh oh hello and the dad just kept calling her buddhist just to mess with her uh and the narration in the beginning when you first meet her is just like she's a, a buddhist slash punk which you know i guess makes sense i like her character um she she plays the uh i'm not or like I'm not by curious, I'm by furious character from Scott Pilgrim. Oh, that's right. I um I first saw her obviously in Independence Day. She's the president's daughter. Oh my god, is she? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Wow, okay. So um but I think she is really great in this role, in a role where you're just like kind of annoyed by her but also just like i don't know it's i think she does a great job it's like probably like the fourth or fifth like kind of biggest important role in this you know alice is sort of just doesn't get to do a whole lot except just have this like you know she steals she steals jeans thing going it's, on for it's her. a it's the it's a stick for alice right like the whole that was joke the word I is think of. yeah the the whole joke is leading up to her buying the pair of jeans on the um secret santa and then her actually you find out she actually pays for it, right? That that's the only thing Alice really does. But then you have um, you have her who, like you said, does play quite a vital role because if not for them dating, then they wouldn't split. Like the friend group wouldn't split from him, and he wouldn't feel alone and be pushed to his mental breakdown. So she's actually kind of like the catalyst of the uh, the whole second half of the movie. You know what, the, the mental breakdown doesn't happen until after he starts dating Sam. I'm pretty sure it was when, I'm pretty sure it was when um, they, uh, when Patrick was like, hey, we can't hang out for a while. And he's like, how long is a while? And he's like, it's going to be a while. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, we can do the timeline. I don't want to get stuck on it now. Um, so he, uh, Sam comes up and sees that he's baked and she's like, you know, what, what can I do? And he's like, I really need a milkshake. And then, you know, this is when he kind of tells her like, oh, my friend hated parties. And she's like, well, where is he? And he's like, oh, he shot himself. Um, and then he goes to the bathroom, but walks in on Brad and Patrick. And <laughs> like, once again, Ezra Miller is so great in this, uh, so Patrick walks out and, uh, he's like, Hey, I need to talk. Are you baked right now? <laughs> just like the ability to get really serious, but then just like see the hilariousness of this like this kid you just brought over here who's never been to a party, just like stoned on his ass, and he's like baked like a cake, man, baked like a cake, um, and just tells him like, hey, it's our little secret. And what I want to talk about now is like, how could Craig, the star running back of the team? sneak around with his boyfriend without like his other teammates knowing he just like goes to these parties all the time he goes backstage at the rocky horror picture show like how is he able to do this without people being like yo where the fuck were you and then like after his dad beats his ass one day that girl walks up to him and like kisses him on the like on the cheeks and i was like i kind of watched that scene a little bit more to be like is that his girlfriend or like what's going on it has to be it has to be his girlfriend right his, so it's like, beard. how is he able to do this? Because he's he's with Patrick so much in this movie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I it well, if 
convenience wise, I guess, right? It doesn't have to. This guy could lead a a very easily lead a double life. Like later on, (laughs) he like will be able to have a wife and a uh, a boy toy. Yeah, he's a future Batman. Um, so yeah, so once Patrick kind of realizes that he's baked like a cake, he is like, oh okay, you're no one. Even if he does tell anyone, no one's gonna believe him. So he's like, okay, I'm coast is clear. You know, like bomb diffused. Um, and then you see him like drinking the milkshake and then he has Alice and um, uh, what's her face like on on uh, Mary Elizabeth, yeah, Mary Elizabeth on his shoulders. And he's like on his second milkshake, which poor Emma Watson fucking made two milkshakes for the dude. And he's like flirting with other women. And this is what pisses me off through the whole thing, especially um, the Sam character is that. She obviously likes him and he obviously likes her, but she is so like, I have to date this Craig dude, you know? Craig is the worst character in the entire fucking movie. Worse than when the dad that beats than beats. He his is son. worse than the dad that beats his son. As soon as that dude, as soon as Mary Elizabeth was like, oh, you, you write poetry, don't you, Craig? And Craig's like, I don't really write poetry. Uh, poetry? writes me i was like why couldn't he get killed in a car accident it's like oh that's a really good photograph you took he's like yeah my teacher gave me an a for it but for all the wrong reasons they're so stupid you'll you'll figure it out or like uh uh the the guy is playing the mixtape and he's like what is this music let's play some real music and it's like it takes you to make a thing go round no, he was actually right about that. You're at a party. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's pep it up. <laughs> it's the okay. one time he was right. Um, so uh, Patrick comes down and then Sam, I, th- I thought it was interesting that they needed Sam to whisper loud enough for the audience to hear like, his friend killed himself. I don't think he has any friends. It's like, we, we know what you're whispering. Um, you didn't need to like dumb it down for us that much. But then he gives the whole line of like, you see things and you're, and you're seen, Charlie. He's like, I didn't think anyone noticed me. Oh my god, yeah. And this is where you you talked to me before we uh, we sat down and did this, and you told me that some of the reviews call this movie like cutesy, like too cutesy. And I think right. this is like one of the perfect examples of like the special attention that they give Charlie on like I don't know the the just the dynamic between these three characters is like. It's sweet, right? But like in an unrealistic way. I do want to go back way back to like the diner scene where they're first like talking to each other, like they're becoming friends and how Charlie's like, oh, how how long have you two been together? Talking about Sam and Patrick. Right. And they start laughing and they're like, oh, we're not together. He's my stepbrother. (laughs) And I was thinking like, uh, obviously he's he's gay. Right. But I was like, I guess I guess that's not very well established to to him yet to the main character and so she's it's like ooh, stepbrother huh right oh my god he, he's also uh, clearly gay so um they the, we next get the rocky horror picture show which is i think a cool it's a cool scene um and it obviously is going to be played earlier 
Um, and then we meet. Uh, this is when we meet the boyfriend. What Craig or is it Craig or Greg? I can't remember. I'm getting. I think it's Craig. Player mixed up. Yeah, Craig. And then Brad is the football player. That's right. Brad's football player. Um, oh, you got it mixed up. Yeah. I just got their names mixed up. I, I remember what they look like. So this is when they start talking about getting into college. And Mary Elizabeth's a bitch, and she's like, 1490 Harvard face." But Alice is like, "I got an 1150. I think that's good enough to get an NYU." And like, I was like, "What the? F- that gets you into NYU in 1992?" But then I remembered she's rich, so it's also like that probably played oh, yeah, into some yeah, donations yeah, yeah. might play into things, but. I, I know like, I scored high on the SATs, but I don't think I ever, I mean, I went to art school, so I could have gotten a zero and still gotten to art school. But uh, I think, I don't know. What was your SAT scores? 1360. Hey, look at you, man. Yeah. Imagine if I'd studied for it. It's not 1490. Face. <laughs> Listen, if I knew that there were bitches like that who were getting 1490s, I would have maybe taken it a little more seriously. Okay. Got it. I understand now. Um, so yeah, so, uh, we're introduced to Craig, who's the worst character. And every time they do come back to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I feel like they had this, I don't know if it was licensing or they had this like theater for a day or something, but there's multiple moments in the movie that you come back to this. And I feel like they're just milking it for like every second they have it. Absolutely. For sure. You know, when you have what Tim Curry in the background, like that part made me kind of watch Rocky, want to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is also a thing I've never done. We got nice. School of Rock, Rocky yep. Horror Picture Show. I sense yep. a theme coming up in 2023. Uh, yeah. There's a couple things that I want to run through real quick until we get to the Secret Santa, which is the next big thing. But Charlie goes up to Mr. Anderson, Paul Rudd, and is like, why do people, why do nice people choose the wrong people to date? And he asks this question after meeting Craig. Not after his sister got slapped by Ponytail Derek. So, it's like- so you you say that, but I think those scenes happen closer than than we remember. Because I remember as he was saying this, that scene where he's, uh, his sister gets slapped really fresh in my mind. So I think it's like an accumulation through like the whole, the last 24 hours, those two instances happen. And I think that's, he's just kind of encompassing the whole thing. I know, I was just, you know. I was just shitting on him a little bit. Um, and then the next thing I wanted to really quickly talk about is uh, for Christmas, he goes to his dad and he's like, hey, dad, can I have $30? And his dad's like, $20? What do you need $10 for? It's like such a fucking perfect line. And then to just give him 50, just like the dad just likes to fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> and then what he does with that 50 is really cool too, I thought. It is, yeah. And we're about to get to it. But the last thing is we see the clocks at the end of the semester and Charlie's dad was building his the whole time. And then you see Patrick's and the shop teacher looks at him, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, if you fail me, you get me again. He's like, well, that's not happening. Yeah, that's a that's a good, good way to get your grades. Just annoy the teacher to death. Um, but now we have the secret Santa. And what's funny about that is like, you know that there's this scene coming that he gives um, Sam something and you know, they're not secret Santas to, to each other. Right. But you know that he gives her something and Oh, it's a, it's a Beatles record. It is the same one. It's either the exact same one that his aunt had, or he bought the same one. 
So it might have been like a free gift, but in order to cover his tracks, because this is a thing that you do when you don't want to put yourself out there too much, is he bought everyone else's gifts as well. And I, I like that um, when they describe he's like, Patrick is like, well, I got um, uh, a book about Harvey Milk and this and this. And he's like, honestly, these gifts are so gay. I think I would have given them to myself, but my next guest is Charlie. And he's like, yeah, I got him. Um, and then the suit thing where he's like, I think Mary Elizabeth gave it to me. He's like, why? He's like, oh, she likes to boss people around. Oh yeah. But yeah. The the one thing I'll say about this movie and we're about to get to it is the Mary Elizabeth liking him thing just comes out of completely left field to me. I think it's supposed to, right? I mean, it does, but I think that's like a, one of the purposes of the, of the relationship is that not only that it comes out of left field, but it's based, it's based on nothing. Yeah. Now I will say in the, in the scene right after this, where Sam takes him up to her room, she, you know, she's like, Oh, I saw Mary Elizabeth looking at you. And he's like, what? No, she's not. And I, as the audience, you're like, no, she's not. That never happened. Um, and she's like, Oh, this is one of her line deliveries where I'm like, that's not great. She's like, Oh, the innocent ones. You guys are always the worst and parents love you. <laughs> it's like, all right. You know, what's funny too, is that her being like, Oh, I think Mary Elizabeth was eyeing you. It, it reminds me of a time where I was in high school and I really liked this girl and her friend really liked me and I could care less. And, but the girl was like, I don't know what she was doing because she liked me too, but I guess she was just playing coy, uh, but she was trying to pass me on to her friend. I was like, oh, no, I was like, I don't want that. It reminded me of that. I think, I think in a way Sam was doing that. I think what she was doing is testing him because she wanted him, right? Like she liked him, but, but her whole thing at the end of like, why did you never tell me? It's like you were dating. A, I am a ninth grader. And you, a senior in high school, was dating a guy in college. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do with that, Sam? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> that's a that's an uphill battle that cannot easily be won. There's a lot that goes on in the scene, um, though. She like she gives she talks about how her first kiss was at eleven, and then Charlie's like, "Yeah, my aunt had the same thing done to her." And I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, that's the first like we're getting of this, you know." We, we kind of know that the the Aunt Helen characters had sort of a like a hard life and like a not you know a fucked up life. She like I think has to stay with it. That, like like I was, I was saying earlier, like Melanie Linsky that plays her just like does that. She's in it so little, but just like yeah. portrays that character so well. You like think about this character's like it's like she's an alcoholic. She's like constantly fucking up. She has to like come stay with the family. You know what I mean? Like I get all of those things just from these quick flashbacks. Yeah. And I think I might be mistaken, but I don't think that's what he meant by my aunt has had the same thing done to her because I believe it was about the sleeping around. I don't think it was about being kissed by your dad's boss. No, I think she I, th I, I took it as like she was basically taken advantage of at a young age. I didn't take it that way, but I thought he just meant like as a blanket statement is like, oh, my aunt was a hoe too, you know, which in a way, but. Um, well, I, he did know that she always had bad boyfriends because he brings that up later. Like, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So with his sister, that's but also, the connection. He was, like, he was super young when his aunt died. He was like eight. He died when he, 
Yeah, so it's like he wouldn't have even understood the concept of molestation at that age. No, but I think that's why it's perfect age to to show in this movie because that's the like you can easily buy that he has suppressed this for like eight years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then Sam gives him his first kiss, which I got to say, like he gets first base from her, and then the Rocky Horror Picture, he gets second base from her, forced upon like she forces it on him. So like, you know, he's moving right along. And in October, if he doesn't have a mental breakdown, he'll probably hit third base. Oh, he's clearly hit third base before she left for Penn State. Clearly. Ah, yeah. Although that is illegal, Sam, and you would go to jail. Um, Not so in Christmas the 90s. Eve, Christmas Eve, like all of his friends are gone, so he's just hanging out with his family. And it's like really like all of his flashbacks and all the bad stuff happens like when his friends are gone, right? When he's with them, it's like, you know, he's kind of taken out of it. Um, and we also get introduced comes... to a secret brother. This we knew about him the whole time. We did. Yeah, yeah. He he brings it up several times. Oh, okay. What's funny is his brother is trying to be very sweet. It's his brother is a star football player for Penn State, and yet he comes home. It's like I miss mom's cooking. He tries to be really sweet with his brother. And the line when he's like, you know, he's like, I've heard you've got some friends. He's like, yeah. And he's like. He's like, great. So if things get bad, you know, you can talk to them about it. It's like, it's it's being sweet, but it's like, yeah, put your shit on them. Like, leave me alone. That's not what he meant by that. I know it's not. I know it's not. But, um, but you you know what I find interesting about this whole family, right? Is that everyone is like perfect. You got the good dad. You got the caring mom. You got the sister who's you know the little. Uh, the sister that's the older sister that kind of does her thing, but she's a good person. But then the the brother could come home and he could be like this real big pain in his ass, right? Char- mm-hmm. uh, for Charlie, but he's not. He's like really decent dude. It's like this family did a really awesome job in raising all these kids. Yeah, and even with all that, like they still Charlie. You know, what I mean even being a perfect family, you still have Charlie who has all these issues that have, have cropped up. And it's, it's not their fault though. It's the, it's the, I know that's fault. what I'm saying. I, th- I think that's part of the point though, right? Like you could have a perfect family and it doesn't mean that you won't have to deal with things like this. Of course. And I think, you know, I'm not going to get the saying right, but it's like, who, how do you know your true friends is when it's not during like the easy parts of life. It's during the rough parts of life. Right. And when he's having his breakdown towards the end of the film, the care that his sister has for him, even though she's been kind of this neutral character throughout the whole movie, her her genuine panic and concern, that's when I really liked the sister. When she was, when she just like, she heard him and she just, it clicked. She knew. She was like, call, call an ambulance, call 911. She heard from his voice, not from the word. Like, he hadn't even said anything yet, and she was immediately panicked just from the way he was talking, not what he was saying yet. I know, I know. So, yeah, she was amazing. So, yeah. So, we next get, um, well, he and he also does this thing where he says he's going to ask Sam out at New Year's. And, it's like, and then it cuts to New Year's, and Craig is there, and he's, or, and he's just like, oh, no, I guess it's not going to happen. Um, and he's doing, he's does acid at new year's which i think this is the first time watching it that i got that that's what he was doing um <laughs> just start shoveling snow like in a circle in the driveway for no reason i've never taken acid um but i assume 
that is a possibility of one of of one of the side effects of acid. Yeah, and I, I he then has the this is like the uh, one of the first flashbacks with the ant that actually feels like a flashback instead of just like a memory. And right. she's like, "This is our little secret." And uh, then she drives off to get his present. And it's kind of like the memories are vague, but the memories are vague in his head too. You know what I mean? So it's not just like him. It's not just for our audience benefits that we're not getting the full picture. Charlie doesn't exactly remember what happened either. Um, and I think and that's I just think a that, cool way to present it. I think it's an awesome way to present it. I think, I think that's part of what really makes the story work really well is that I feel like if he knew every the entire time of what happened to him, he would kind of be pitiful, right? But since he is kind of trying to like he's just a character that's just being and he's not like having this like over and over pity party for himself it 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 makes you like him even more and then it makes it more tragic when he realizes it i think the the saddest scene in this entire movie is when he's like i have good days and bad days and day 47 or something was a bad day because that's the day that i had to tell my parents that about aunt helen and I think then, like, the acting was so good. Then, okay, <laughs> I cannot stress this scene enough. When the parents walk into his room, as they get the news that it is one of their sisters that molested their son, I knew right from looking at the parents' face exactly whose sister it was. Did you get get it? No, I didn't. I didn't even pay attention to that. Was it hers? It was the dads. Huh. I mean, that's not confirmed, but I just looked. It's different reaction. Like, she was sad, right? The mom was sad, but Dylan had this, like, like guilty look on his face, you know? Right. And, well, and I, I, agree, I, I agree with you in that because I feel like if he, if it had have been her sister, he would have been more angry. Right. But yeah. he was he looked crushed, yeah, uh, just well, about he, as crushed as the ant was. I think you would. Wow, I think you would be crushed either way, though. Like no, definitely that, this, that definitely. this happened to your son. And I, I, I mean, so far everything we've seen about him, he seems to be a good enough char- character to where he wouldn't be like, "Your, you know, your sister did this, and this is your fault because it was your sister." Um. Back to like the point we were at. So he goes to school wearing the suit. Like once school comes back in, and he's asked his teacher, "Do you have fun over break? More fun than more fun than you're going to have today, Sinatra." <laughs> just like the fact that he also too is like, "I'll just I can bust your balls a little bit." And he's like, "Why would you wear a suit to, to school? Like, what are you doing?" Although, for who who bought him the suit? Was it um Patrick? It was, uh, Patrick. I think it was Patrick. Patrick. Um. For for like just buying your your bro friend a, a suit that was a very well tailored suit. He looked good in that suit. It fit him to a T. It was perfect. Yeah. Um. And then we get the uh the Rocky Horror picture where he fills in. Um. He gets some boob action. I like uh Brad is sitting in the back and there's this subtle line of like Charlie freaking out about the LSD and Brad's like, dude, man, listen, like the cops are just trying to mess with you. Like you'll be fine. What's weird that you mentioned that is that the the Rocky Horror Picture scene takes place right after he gets um, high off the acid. And then there's a scene between that where he like is in the hospital and the cops interrogate him. 
that whole thing does not fit the rest of the movie at all. It's not like tonally out of nowhere, but it's just, it's a weird segue to, I guess, get to more revelation of what happened to him in the past. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love when he's like trying to tell the police, he's like, no, no, I just, I was seeing stuff and I just laid down the snow and the mom's like, are you seeing stuff again? He's like, no, not really. <laughs> it was LSD. I took hard drugs. <laughs> like mom, can you, like I, what's funny is his parents seem the type that like, so if, if they found out about the pot, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I did pot. Like whatever. That's, you know, whatever, man. And then the LSD, they'd be like, dude, what are you doing LSD for? Like, you know what I mean? That they wouldn't come down too harsh on him. They'd just be like, bro, you can't take LSD. <laughs> Pot, it's okay. LSD, not allowed. Uh, cocaine, fine. Meth, no. Definitely not. Be mad at meth. So uh, he gets some solid boob action from Sam. And then immediately afterwards, Mary Elizabeth is like, <laughs> she was like, you know, I know it's totally like sexist and misogynistic, the Sadie Hawkins dance. And I was like, I mean, the idea behind it is to, you know, I mean, maybe you're saying that, oh, just women could ask at any time. But, you know, the idea behind it, I think it's it's got merit. Um, she's like, it's my Sad. last one. I want you to I want you to come to it. Um, Mary Elizabeth is a definite future Karen, um, but in a different way. She's not like she's like a super liberal Karen. Did you see that video I sent you of the old woman coming up? She comes up to this woman of like 10 black guys in a car. She's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, what, what, what are you guys doing? She's like, oh, oh, we're, we're filming a rap video. And you think she's about to like be a Karen. And she's like, can I join? And then she starts dancing in the video. I did see that. I did see that one. Uh What's What's funny about Mary Elizabeth in this is so like after the Sadie Hawkins dance, when she's like kind of, uh, trying to make out with charlie she does this thing she's like yeah after i become a, a lobbyist i'm gonna buy a, a house in cape cod don't you think that would be nice and it's just like she's just as like she doesn't believe this shit she said i'm gonna go be a lobbyist to make a shit ton of money and then buy a cape cod mansion it's, it's like her goals i guess <laughs> she's not a punk i, I guess you're right no and she's she's neither i i forgot about that line i guess you're right she's She's actually just going to be like a typical Karen. She's not going to be like a like a super feminist uh, liberal Karen. You're right. You're right. Um, and then uh, <laughs> they make out, and then she's like, "Oh, I can't believe you're my boyfriend." He's like, "What the fuck? What?" <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's funny too because I don't think if it was for Sam, I think he would buy into it more, right? Because he he's the entire movie is like he needs friends it's not sexually motivated any of his stuff right it is his <clears throat> feelings for sam are are sincere and his feelings of wanting to become friends with people is sincere but with mary elizabeth he i think just finds her grating <laughs> Yeah, because she she is pretty, um, even with the the hair, right? It's it's her attitude. It's like everything else about her is just like at the montage of them dating is so funny to me. And like she, he comes up, and you know he's Catholic, so he has like the Ash Wednesday uh, cross on his forehead. <laughs> she just wipes it off with her thumb, and then yeah. he like comes home from school, and he's like, "I'm so tired of touching her boobs." 
And then maybe if you let me pick out the makeout music, we could make this work. And then we just answers the phone and like puts it down. And the mom's like, is she still on the phone? You have to break up with her. And he's like, I can do that. Okay. Best line in the whole movie. They're playing spin the bottle and (laughs) he lands on him and he picks truth and he goes, and, and, uh, Patrick goes, so what do you think about your first relationship? Which is a question no one would ever ask in a spin the bottle thing. So you know it's, it's a fever dream. Truth or dare. Or whatever. And <laughs> he goes, honestly, uh, I'm just kind of waiting for us to, one of us get cancer and die so I don't have to break <laughs> up with her. And then it flashes to like, oh, that's just in his head and, and the reality is much worse. Um, but what's funny is like, I think I don't know about you, but I think at one point we've all been in a relationship where we feel that way, especially when we're young, because we're we're like we're not strong enough to like go through a breakup. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think definitely you and Logan Lerman feel that way. So. Oh, OK. Sorry. David's just in breaking hearts. Um, I. I told you that there is one scene in this movie I couldn't watch and I sort of forced myself to watch it, but like, I like fast forwarded through it. And then like, like you did not. I, when, when Patrick says kiss the prettiest girl in the room and he kisses Sam, it's so it's the most awkward scene in a movie for me. Like I, I couldn't, but this time I wanted to watch cause I was like, does Sam kiss him back? And like maybe the tiniest hint, but I don't think really, I think she is just like, taken aback by it like no how could you do this to Mary shook. she is shook um and then another th- another thing that i was crap there he was there and he just he, let that guy kiss his girl dude craig is like high 90 percent of the time he probably was chill about it you know a little, little bitch you know what i mean i think he Bob's like, look, high all the time he, he was like look i don't fight people i let people fight me <laughs> Uh, also, Bob just in the back. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get to the point where they're like leaving the party and he's very apologetic and no one is having any of it. And Patrick's like, hey, listen, there's some stuff going on. There's always been stuff going on between Sam and Mary Elizabeth. And this is like a really weird, like casual line drop. But I guess what we're supposed to get from it is that there's been guys who have cheated on Mary Elizabeth with Sam in the past. Or just like, uh, you know, them both going, liking the same guy or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. don't know exactly what it is, but, um, and he's like, so you have to stay away for a while. And he's like, so how long do you think? And then on Patrick's face, you can see that it's like, Oh, it's, it's, it's gonna forever. Be dude. Yeah. It might be forever unless. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we get this like the the way that they do the three weeks later thing is pretty cool because he's just typing on the typewriter that he got and he's like it's been three weeks since I've seen my friends I'm going crazy. Um, oh, we should mention how he got the typewriter is that it was a it was a gift from Sam, right? Um, yeah. Which is weird, right? Because like typewriters are expensive, and I mean unless she had Alice steal it, I don't know, but it was like it's a gift you give to a significant other. It's not a gift you just give to a friend. Well, no, she gave it to him because he was the reason she did well enough to get into Penn state. Oh yeah. I guess that's true too, but Jesus still. 
Also, she clearly wanted him to, you know, to take her onto the bed. Boing a boing. Boing a boing a boing. Exactly. Yeah, that's how they say it. Um, so uh, he calls a Mary Elizabeth and tries to make things right, and she is not having it. I kind of agree with her, but she's also really fucking cold hearted to him. And because we know all the stuff that's going on with him, I'm like, Mary Elizabeth, you got to be nicer. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, I'm just messed up in the head sometimes. She's like, I don't care. These are my friends. You're pathetic. Leave me alone. I mean, to be truthful, without knowing his condition, that's probably exactly we'd probably fully be on her side 100%, right? But but we know more than she does. But the other the other part about it is um she gives this great line, it's I'm not going to say it verbatim, but it's on the it's on the cusp of like uh I'm with, you know, whoever now. And I think it was just like you and I, we're just never going to work. Like she's, she's almost doing like, I'm breaking up with you. You're not breaking up with me sort of thing. And he goes, I just hope you're happy. And she's like, whatever. (laughs) And he's like, he was going to go. He's like, not a prideful guy at all. Right. She wants to make it like, like she breaks up with him. He's like, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, whatever gets me my friends back. So this um, is a weird, um, a weird time thing here, right? For me, is because there's a there's a point where Patrick and Brad get caught by Brad's dad, and I think he hears that through Sam, or no, he hears it. He hears it through Bob because Bob, I guess, one doesn't care because he's always high, and two, I guess, Bob's a drug dealer. Sure. Because when he's telling Charlie about it, he's giving Charlie drugs because Charlie has like a little baggie and Bob is putting up this like container that I think he hides his, his weed <clears> in. <throat> um, so, yeah, Bob tells him and it's just basically we need someone to be able to tell him, you know, because who it has to be someone from this group because like no one else is his friend and no one else would know the truth because everyone else thinks, you know, Brad was beaten up by his dad. Everyone else in the school thinks he was beaten up by a rival gang of young street toughs mad about the the most recent football game brad brad thinks he's in a fucking outsiders movie no but um the uh bob is dating alice is that right am i am i remembering that correctly i don't think they're dating now no i thought they were i don't think so he seemed pretty Um, okay with patrick kissing her yeah no one would be okay with patrick kissing them Oh, except Brad's dad. <laughs> Maybe that's why Brad's dad hit him is because Brad's like Brad's dad is like I wanted that. <laughs> Patrick is my man. I mean, it's kind of a weird mentality, right? I, I, but I guess it's kind of how it would go is that Brad didn't beat a Patrick. Brad, I mean, I mean, sorry, Brad's dad didn't beat a Pat, Patrick. He beat a Brad. But um, because yeah, he doesn't care if Patrick's gay, he cares if his son is gay. Um, I I get it. So, but as soon as um, Charlie understand, uh, he hears this. We see Patrick in the hallways, and then Brad, that has a black eye, makes out with maybe his girlfriend. Who knows? And then um, we have Brad's friend, like his football friend, Trip. Patrick and and calls him a bunch of gay slurs and that's when like there's the fight and uh it's like 
Charlie's like Moon Knight. He just blacks out and then he wakes up and everyone around him is just like dead. Um, I love it. It's my favorite scene in the movie. But no, it's it's awesome. But we don't see it, which I'm kind of sad about. It's because you couldn't. I mean, one, I think it's it plays on the fact that he blacks out. Right. So we're seeing this entire movie is from his point of view. And so it makes sense that we're seeing it from his point of view. And then two, it just adds to the mystery, right? Because after it's over, everyone's looking at him like, holy fuck, what it like, what did you just do? Who is this? Like, you know what I mean? Like we did not know that you were capable of this. Um, and uh, one thing I'll say before this is Charlie comes up to Patrick. He's like, and he's like, Patrick, I heard what happened. And he's like, Charlie, not now. And it, it kind of feels thinking about it now that, Charlie was using it as a way to get back in with them. Like, Oh, I heard what happened. Do you want to talk about it? You know what I mean? Like I'm here for you. Um, and you know, Patrick is having none of it and he beats these kids up. And I told you, I wanted to talk about this. Um, and then he, he says he has the chance for a really badass line. He says, if you touch my friends again, I'll blind you. And I feel like that has to be, I'll kill you. Except like the movie is like, is that a is that an MPAA thing? I don't know. I don't know what "I'll blind you" means. Is he like I'm gonna punch you in the eyes? Uh, you asked me to come up with a better one, and I've been thinking about it, and uh, I think I did. So he comes out of his blackout state, and he goes, "If you touch my friends again, I'll deaf you." I'm glad you took the assignment seriously. I mean, it has to be, I'll kill you, right? I mean, it, you you mess with my friends again, I'll kill you. You mess with my friends again, I'll break your legs. Well, it's all fuck you up, probably, if oh. this is a rated R. You know what? How about this? Never mind. I got it. He comes out of his blackout, and he looks at, at Brad and his other, you know, football posse, and he goes, yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. That's good. That's, Thank yeah, you. I don't. You don't beat that, honestly. So, no. um, yeah, I love this part of the movie. He then is walking outside after going to the principal's office. Um, this is the 90s, so it's not like the cops are called or anything. And I don't even know. They don't get into, like, was he suspended or anything? I mean, he's they're, they're like, literally holding this kid's arms and beating the shit out of him in the middle of the cafeteria. Are yeah. there, there's no one there to stop this? There's not, no like, No one a, shows like... up in the aftermath? <laughs> Not only that, but like there's there's no adults in the cafeteria room, like at all. Like it's just like free balling. It's it's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then he goes up to Sam who's waiting for him and she's like, Charlie, do you want me to tell you what happened? And he's like, Yeah, Sam. She's like, You saved my brother. That's what happens. They just say you saved my brother. And then he's like, Can we be friends again? She's like, Of course. She's, of course. She's like, Charlie. Do you want me to tell you what happened? You saved my brother, isn't it? <laughs> when she goes and asks you about the bathroom in the beginning when we were first introduced to her, she's like, wow, the lose can't even be more disgusting, huh? Yeah. And so then I, I kind of like the rest of this movie a lot. Um, you know, he's he starts hanging out with Patrick a lot. Patrick's like, I'm going to take you to the Fruit Loop, which is, I guess, Fenley Park is where all the, like, the closeted gay people go to make out. Like, they have a a designated place. Good um, for them. Yeah. And then he kind of gives details about what happened, about how like 
when Brad's dad was beating Brad, he's like, stop, you're killing him. It's like, oh, so, you know, this got like really fucking serious. Um, and he just tells him, you know, he tells Patrick to leave. Yeah, uh, Brad, Brad basically told him to show off. So there's a lot of just like tiny scenes after after this part. Um, Sam gets into Penn State. Patrick, <laughs> it's like Patrick's going to University of Washington to be near Seattle for music. And it was like, yeah, for music, Patrick, that's why you're going to Seattle. Apart from being like the best character in the movie, we don't really pick up of like any any of Patrick's like interest or like goals of the future. His entire persona is just being gay. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's not like he's played overtly flamboyant, right? Not like horribly overly flamboyant, but he has, he's like the perfect supporting character. He supports every character in this movie going forward, but he never has like a um, a moment of himself except for the whole Brad fight thing. Um well, and, and, but here's the thing, like, so uh, Mary Elizabeth has, like, being a punk. Um, Alice, who we don't get a lot from, but, like, wants to go to NYU film school. Um, uh, and Sam just, like, loves music, right? And so, like, Patrick sort of loves music, too. But, like, music is Sam's thing. And so it's, like, we don't get Yeah, music Charlie's... is Sam's thing. No, Char- Charlie wants to be a writer. That's true, yeah. So we just don't get what Patrick's thing is. No, exactly. That's Except a really gay. cute moment. Being gay, being gay is his thing. Yeah, but I mean, movie. that's the other problem with like writing. I, I guess this was only 10 years ago, but I don't know. Now it's like you would be accused of not giving that character a more well-rounded um, personality. Um, moving on from this, though, the, the, the really nice moment uh, towards the end of the film is when Charlie is worried that his teacher is going to like want to move away and he's right. not going to be his teacher anymore. And he's like, so are, have you thought about like leaving? And then he's like, no, I think me and my wife like it here and we're going to stay. And you can see like Charlie really like look like, like that a lot. And he always gets these like book assignments and stuff, which he gives all to Sam. I don't know. I think this is another moment where the movie could be accused of being too cutesy, but I really like it. I think it really works. And I think the Charlie, reason you're it giving me, Books. <laughs> Darby has a sock. Master gave Darby clothes. Also, Rudd and him uh, have a hug, and I was like, that's highly inappropriate. Yeah, you can't do that now, but maybe in the 90s you could. So, sister breaks up with Derek. Sam finds out that Craig has been cheating. Um, and then we get this scene after the books where she's like, you know. Why uh why do I choose bad people? And he's like, you know, you choose the love that you think you deserve. And he's like, well, why didn't you ask me out? And he's like, he doesn't give a, as good an answer as you were dating a college guy and I'm 15 years old. You know, though, as I think that's really unfair of Sam. And I, I dislike Sam quite a lot throughout the whole movie, but especially at this moment, I was like, where do you have the audacity to ask someone that? You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. rude. It- and she kind of goes back and forth. She's like, I don't want to be your crush. But then she's also like, I don't know. It's like her, her, all of her reasoning is just kind of all over the place to me. Um, but no, now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. Cause they're, they're, they're not together, but they have this moment when she's like packing up for college and he stays later than everyone else. And 
And the next morning he helps her pack the car and she drives away. And that's when he has the mental breakdown. Well, the mental breakdown starts when they're kissing and she touches the inside of his leg. You're right. It triggers something. It triggers, it a triggers what the ant did to him. And this is when we kind of figured out because the ant touches his leg and she's like, this is our little secret. And that's when we know as the audience, or at least you're, if you're, if you're paying attention, you should have probably started to figure it out. And then, yeah, the mental breakdown starts right after that. Um, he's kind of, it does this thing where he shows like different versions of him, like walking along the road. And then he calls his sister and like, this is like a, you know, it's a really emotional part of the movie. And like you said, you like the sister coming through and just be like, you know, someone call the cops under my house right now. Like how worried she is. Um, my, that, that my scene, guess. Like, it's, it's, I was just gonna say, it's, it's like the best Logan Lerman does too in this movie. Just like the, I, you know, it's my fault. I killed aunt Helen. Um, and what if I wanted her to die? You know what I mean? Like, what if that's what I wanted? Um, yeah. Because we actually see that she tried to kill herself at one point. Like he like tur- she turns over her arms and we see like the marks. And then like he sees an like in the real time sees a knife and it's like, oh, that's what he's about to do. Yeah. And I think this is where the book could give you more insight of what actually happened. But I kind of like the way you kind of have to interpret it yourself. And the way I interpret it is probably not the, the way you thought of it. But the way I thought of it is that. His friend killing himself probably triggered the memory of Aunt Helen dying, right? Aunt Helen's death, probably him being triggered by that, probably triggered her molesting him. And so in turn, yes, obviously, Aunt Helen probably had a couple of suicide attempts. But what did he do or what happened to him when he was affected by his friend's suicide? that put him in the hospital. And I'm thinking, and and why was his sister so concerned very quickly? And I was thinking maybe he tried to kill himself. It's potentially definitely potentially, but if he tried to kill, you know, he, this was basically an attempt to, to kill himself this time. And, um, and then this is what like brought up the memory. So I feel like if he had tried to do it before there would have been, you know, they, I don't know, maybe they tried to figure it out last time, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like they may have gotten to the root cause if that's what he did last time, but I, I don't know. I mean, he could have been um, really depressed. Yeah. He could have been having, he could have been having the blackouts and that's like, they like sent him to the hospital because, oh, I'm blacking out. I'm having these blackouts. And then this time they don't send him because of the blackouts because he sort of doesn't tell them about it. When, when Joan Cusack and he's in the hospital, does he have bandages around his wrist? He doesn't because I I looked for that. He doesn't. So So there's no the police got to him very quickly. I think right. So there's no there's no there's no proof that he tried killing himself this time or last time because he wasn't wearing any bandages in the beginning of the movie either. So it's just it's kind of hard to. uh, Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think the movie is purposely leaving it up to interpretation for what you how deep you want to think about this. Um. But when the movie kind of wraps up quick, right? Because we already talked about uh, the parents realizing and and finally hearing that their sister molested their son. And then he gets out and he's visited by um, 
Sam and Patrick, who then Sam is like, oh, I've only been to class in two months. So this whole breakdown thing happened in a, like being hospitalized and getting out of the hospital uh, took only about 60 days to go through. And then they pick him up and they take him through the tunnel and it's the tunnel song. It's a good song, right? Yeah, it's a good song. Overall, I think this movie still holds up uh, in being a great depiction, a great 2012 depiction of what the early 90s was like, even though a lot of the dialogue we wouldn't appropriate in this day and age. But I think if you want like a good slice of life of what it was back then, I think this movie does a pretty good job of that. You watch this in super dark times and you you get it. You get what the 90s were in high school. Yeah, that's the important part in high school. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. As I told you, when I first watched it, I was being kind of critical. Um, but when I watched it again the second time, just enjoying the movie, it, it does really hold up. Like there's there's some dialogue here and there that's like could be better. But it's overall, it's, it's great. Um and it's like the reason I wanted to talk about it. It's, you know, it's the reason I came up with this uh, with this month of December where we could just do whatever the hell we wanted to. So, and now you can finally stop asking me if I've seen Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'll probably still do it just to just to have a laugh. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and I'm David, and we finally watched rewatched Perks of Being a Wallflower. <laughs>